0: Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry.
1: Another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host Ben Henry, alongside my brother and co-host, the Meliagridian Matthew Henry. How you doing, Matthew? I
0: I don't I don't even want to pretend I know what that means, Meliagridian.
1: Well, Meliagridius often has a caruncle. How's your caruncle doing these days?
0: Um I don't even know what that means. Like I
1: What about your snood? Your snood been bothering you at all?
0: Oh no, my snood is is, is 100% good.
1: Your just that's not inflamed.
0: Not it's at not, all. It's not no. it's not My it's snood not, is not. is is strong. Strong like bull. <laughs>
1: yeah, the snood is all. Your snood has always been your strongest feature. I mean, you know, um unlike me, I don't have anything on the top of my head. Uh, but your snood has always been your strongest feature. Your caruncle, you know, it's average, but I don't think the ladies like the caruncle as much as they like the snood. The snood, those Meliagridian ladies, I mean.
0: Uh, Again, just completely lost, as, as all of our listeners are at this point, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, oh, well, okay. I... I I assume that we're talking MelaGridian. maybe is a type of turkey or turkey-ish or... It is the scientific
1: name for turkey. You're welcome. Uh, And the snood (laughs) is the thing that has on the top of your head. And your caruncle is the waddle thing. Oh. Down here, down on your neck.
0: So now, Uh, you know, folks, when you're sitting down next week to Thanksgiving dinner, you can talk about how you... uh, This is the best MelaGridian you've ever eaten
1: that's right that's right and you could ask how come we never cook the snood or the caruncle uh, I don't know how come we don't cook those things and and if you're a vegan
0: you're not, my you're apologies. not it, yeah you're not really <laughs> caring about any of this I, I
1: I don't I don't know I don't know what to say if you're a vegan uh I'm I'm sorry um hey to, Tofurky is a thing Ben Tofurky? Tofurky is a thing? Well, that's the one thing I don't understand about vegan and vegetarian foods. Like, why are they all, like, why can't they just be like chickpeas? Why, why do they have to pretend to be meat? And then, of course, then I then I think, oh, yeah, right, because people like to eat meat. And, and this is why convincing people to be vegans and vegetarians is so hard. and And that's why we have things like the Impossible Burger. But you know who doesn't eat an impossible burger and isn't a vegan, Matthew? Who? Your namesake, Matthew. But before we get to that, I have a question for you. Okay. If you could only eat one traditional Thanksgiving food at Thanksgiving, what would it be? A.K.A. when I give you your plate of food... On Thanksgiving Day, what one food do you want to be on that plate? Because that's all you're getting.
0: All right. Um, just, to, just to check in, is mashed potatoes a traditional Thanksgiving food? Yes. Okay, then mashed potatoes. 100%. Just,
1: just mashed potatoes?
0: And gravy. Can I have gravy? No. No. no.
1: No, you could have gravy. You just have a plate full of gravy, if
0: no, you want. The mashed potatoes. Yeah, I'm I'm a mashed potatoes guy, definitely mashed potatoes. That is
1: that is the worst answer I have ever heard. The mashed potatoes?
0: I love mashed potatoes, ma'am. That's that's one of those meals that you don't get like during the regular. It's like nobody would like. What are you talking about during the regular like year? It's not you're like you know what we're gonna have some mashed potatoes this week. That doesn't happen. That is one of those foods that you solely save for like. Thanksgiving and maybe Christmas,
1: or if you live in the Midwest.
0: Yeah, I guess. Or, or if you're a KFC, Scotland. you know. I don't know. But or,
1: uh, wow, wow, wow! I would at least go with stuffing. But no, but no. The correct answer is a plate full of gravy. yeah
0: Wait Man. a minute! A plate full of gravy? You mean you're just like you're just like slurping gravy?
1: Yes. How is uh-huh. that the right answer? Because gravy is amazing and it's wonderful and it is the elixir of the gods. It is. Yeah, it but is it is makes greatest. everything else taste good. But in
0: itself,
1: it like, tastes I good.
0: Just, I, no, that's the reason. No, that's the wrong
1: it, answer. That's not the wrong. What? I don't. OK, we're going to have to do a Twitter poll, I guess.
0: OK, or something. I, You know, my backup answer to this, though, now that I'm thinking about this more would be chocolate pecan pie <laughs> that made, is made by great. your wife.
1: That is the right answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the right answer uh, because it is, it is a, first of all, it's a full actual side or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could you would eat that alone for breakfast.
0: Totally. And have.
1: And uh, yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Agreed. You No, that's the right answer. I'm not going to tell her that because she doesn't need to know that, but you no, know, she already knows that she knows, she knows. Anyway, today is Sunday, November 12th, as we record this podcast. Tomorrow, November 13th, is Monday. And that is the earliest that you can be listening to this episode. And I'm, I think now is as good a time as, as any to, to let everybody know that we are not going to be publishing next Monday, Matthew, because we are going to be taking the week off to get ready for Thanksgiving.
0: Unless, unless well, Shohei Otani signs. Unless Shohei Ohtani signs. Th- Shohei Ohtani then we'll jump signs. on for an emergency pod. Right,
1: right, right. Or if I, maybe Yamamoto, I mean, he's the only other one I would have.
0: But he hasn't even been posted yet. So that's probably not going to
1: happen. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. And then once he's has posted, he does have to sign within 45 days. So that is yeah. actually a nice thing to know. Just so, good. okay. Yeah. So unless there's an emergency Shohei uh, Otani episode, Uh, We're not going to be back for another two. Well, we're going to not be back until Thanksgiving Day when we will be publishing a cocktail episode.
0: Correct. Because because, you know, we may not have any baseball content, but we always could talk about booze.
1: We always have booze to talk about. That's right. That's right. So we will be publishing on Thanksgiving Day. That episode usually comes out around 7 a.m. in the morning. So if you need a little extra pick-me-up or motivation, you can download that at 7 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day. But we will not be here on the 20th. So you have been warned. Our apologies. Or or, or you're welcome. I don't know. I don't know. However, <laughs> however you feel about us. Really. Honestly. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at my notes here. I already called you Amelia Gridian. I already asked you the question. I already told people what the date is as if they didn't know. And
0: well, then, I like this next one.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. What I like about Matthew. Well, Matthew, I like to call, I like to say Matt. Um, you know, I know that that's not the name that you like to go by. You like to go by Matthew. And I did call you Matt a lot as a child. Like,
0: well, I said and that. So, so, I decided to be called Matthew when I was in college. So, there oh. is a line of demarcation where people who knew me before college call me Matt. And that is right. fine. That is fine. Right. Those who know me, like, and sometimes I would forget that I wanted to be called Matthew in college. So, about half the people that I know in college call me Matt, and the other half call uh-huh. me Matthew. And yeah. so, I, but then post college, I'm Matthew all the way. So, yeah, you know, so that's, that's how that goes.
1: Yeah. Okay, great. So one of the things, so, so, so let me go in and say what I like about Matt. Then, um, one of the all time greats. Uh, absolutely one of my favorite people on the planet, quite frankly. Um, you know, somebody that I hold near and dear to my heart. um, really really just a hard worker you know just um a great teammate somebody who who really just pulls for his teammates um but also you know really really humble you know somebody who didn't let his accolades you know um take over the rest of the people around him, you know, his teammates. Um, He's also one of the reasons why I, um, the number nine is my favorite number.
0: Oh, uh, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did you just, did you just figure this out?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm we're having a moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, this guy. Yeah, like, yeah, I, that was so nice uh, of Ben to say all these yeah, things about me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, they're all true. Um, you know, whenever he hit a home run, you know, he would drop that bat and he would just sprint around the bases because he didn't want to show the pitcher up. And, and, and he, he hit a home run like he'd hit one before. And you know what? He had. Um, was having one of the greatest seasons of any player ever up to that point when during when the worst season of baseball ever in the history of baseball occurred. Um, The 1994 season that never ended. Um, And uh, was really, I think, the best player on the Giants as they were transitioning into the team that we kind of expected to be a contender perennially, you know, I mean, I think will the thrill kind of carried that, but Matt Williams in my heart was really the heart and soul of the San Francisco giants. And I remember being absolutely devastated when I found out that he had been traded to the Cleveland Indians and, um, and Matthew. Yeah. The Marine. My favorite baseball player ever. After, wow, what has it been? 20, well, I guess 2024, 28 years. Is the San Francisco Giant again. Matt Williams returns to home to coach third base for the San Francisco Giants. And you know what? That might be a reason I buy a ticket to go see this team at least one time to see Matt Williams wearing a San Francisco Giants uniform again. (sighs) Like, finally, Farhan... And it wasn't even Farhan who did it cuz it was Bob Melvin that did it but finally Farhan has done something good. What do you think about it?
0: Well, aside from the fact that I thought you were talking about me at the beginning and now I know you're talking about Matt Williams.
1: Hey, you're great. You're great too. I love you, buddy. Oh, um, thanks. you thanks. know, yeah. you know, but uh but we you and I both know you're not humble. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's something that's just not in the Henry family DNA, my man.
0: Oh, we are not humble. Yeah, no, no. Um, I. You know, Matt Williams, all-time giant great. And I don't know how that translates into, like, him being a coach. Like, I don't know if that excites me as much as it excites you. I think what it does, the only thing that I'm really excited about is he no longer has to wear those god-awful Padre City Connect uniforms. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that was
0: painful to watch. Matt Williams, Mr. Like old school baseball player, wear those like fluorescent, like like Miami colored, like just yeah. awful like uniforms. So at least we got that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I'll, look at the end of the day, like I, I'm, I'm sure he'll bring a lot. Right. He'll bring a lot in terms of like strategy and tactics when they're not on the field. But let's face it, like the main thing that we're all going to be evaluating Matt Williams on now is should he or shouldn't he have sent that guy? Right. right. And, you know, and and I, I I think I think at the end of the day. You know, that that that's probably what we're going to care about the most. Ah, But it's nice to have a little nostalgia. It's nice that, like, I'm going to let, like, I'm going to give the Giants credit on this. And I know it's Bob Melvin's call, and that's the only reason this is happening. And it's, like, one of those things that doesn't really impact the quality of the team that much. Right? But but at the same time, like, it's the kind of hire that makes everybody go, "Ah, a connection to the past, a connection to our history, a connection to our success, you know, and Matt Williams didn't even play during a time when the Giants were were that great. Right. I mean, he was part of that first wave of greatness in the yeah. late 80s, and they were a very competitive team during the 90s. But ironically, it was his trade that allowed them to to move to that next level. Right. And to become a a, a champion contending team as you know, which culminated in 2002 but but at the very least it's still a connection back to their greatness and and a, and I think a well you know I want to call it fan service but it's not I mean he's been hired because Bob Melvin wants him because he believes in him and I don't think there's any other reason that the hire happened because than that but nonetheless it is a connection back to the history of the Giants and I think there's a huge part of the fan base me included, who finds that to be very, very important. And I recognize that this is probably going to equal zero wins. Right. I'm not to say that the third base coach doesn't matter. Right. Because he does. Yeah. <laughs> he does. Right. Because he's going to matter. Uh, you know, we're going to all be mad at Matt Williams sometime because he sent a guy when we felt like he shouldn't or he didn't send a guy when we felt like he should. And we're probably going to be mad at some players because they didn't do what Maddie told them to as they were approaching third base. But nonetheless, I'm still very excited to have him back.
0: Well, those of you who forget, Matt Williams was the player that was traded for Jeff Kent, and uh, not only Jeff Kent, but Julian Tavares and Jose Vizcaino. So uh, the Giants got quite a package back for Matt Williams back in those are Those were
1: all important pieces during that early, the late '90s and early 2000 teams. Although Matty did did go on to play in the World Series the very next year, right? Yeah. Unfortunately for him, he played for Cleveland. So, you know, (laughs) but anyway, so yes, Matt Williams is back. All is. I mean, nothing that doesn't change anything, but, but still a step in the right direction. But Matthew, that brings us to today's trivia question. Ask us your question about the great Matt Williams, please.
0: Uh well I could ask you who was traded for Matt Williams uh but, but I already told, told you the answer so instead I'm going to ask about a future giant who is the Lucas only giant <laughs> who is the only Giants player to hit a home run off Shohei Otani. And uh, I must admit, this question is courtesy of at Bay Area Brennan on Twitter or X. Uh, he ha- he asked that himself, and I thought it was a great question. So I'm stealing it for us. So if you follow at Bay Area Brennan on Twitter, uh, then you already know the answer to this. But who is the only Giants player to hit a home run off Shohei Ohtani? Future Giant Shohei Ohtani.
1: Oh, oh, I see. Well, That's what you meant. Because you said future giant, and I was like, but this says current giant. And I thought that's the giant you were talking about, because Shohei Otani is never going to be a giant. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: You, you know, know that. that, right? You don't know that. I,
1: I Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't know that. Uh Okay. Who is the only Giants player to hit a home run off of Shohei Otani? Hmm. That means he was a giant when he hit it? Or yes. no, 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 no. Yes.
0: He's, he, no. He was a giant when he hit it. Yes. Oh. Oh. Austin wins. <laughs> okay. Just pulling a name out of the hat. I like it.
1: Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Austin wins. Lock it in, baby. All Austin right. Austin wins.
0: We, we will see if Ben is right at the end of the show. And if you've been listening to us long enough, you know that Ben is probably not right. Uh, but we will we will find out at the end of the show. If you
1: think about it, Matthew, I can never be right. I think maybe I was right one time.
0: Yeah, and that kind of ruined everything. So you're right. You have to be wrong.
1: Yeah, I can never be right. Right. I can't be right. In fact, I have to look at the answer. Okay. I just looked at the answer and I'm sticking with Austin wins folks.
0: So, so let that be a clue to you. <laughs> all right. That is has eliminated one player. All right. All right. Well, Enough with the banter. Let's talk cocktails. Let's do it. Alright, well, whose turn is it? What are you drinking, Ben?
1: Oh my goodness, Bob. Um, Well, you might notice this, Bob, but I... Okay. Okay,
0: okay. Got a Um, lot going on right there, actually.
1: Yeah, um, Bob? So, Bob, I'm drinking, um, I'm drinking like a thousand different cocktails, buddy, because today I'm not presenting just a single cocktail. Today I am presenting an entire do-it-yourself aperitif bar. Wait, let me see if I can remember this. The Giant Cocktails Happy Hour Do-It-Yourself Thanksgiving Liqueur and Aperitif Bar and Grill in Dublin, California. That's what I'm drinking today, Bob. And what it is is a collection of different liqueurs and aperitifs that you put out for your friends during a Friendsgiving or a Thanksgiving or some other holiday event so that they can make their own low ABV cocktails before dinner or before the rest of the party or whatever it is. Or if you don't want to make it a low ABV, you can make one minor modification to it. And if you want to know what that modification is, and if you want to know what all of the ingredients are, I'm sorry, folks, you're going to have to go listen to last Thursday's show. That's just the way that it is. And that's what I'm drinking today, Bob. The... Giant cocktails, happy hour, Thanksgiving, do it yourself, aperitif, and liqueur bar and grill in Dublin, California.
0: All right, all right. Oh, Bob, let me say it. Let me say it, Bob. Let me say it. Hmm, those are some tasty cocktails.
1: <laughs> they are, some of them really are. And and folks, I did put some tips for some different combinations that people could use in their low ABV or high ABV cocktails from this do-it-yourself bar in the show. So go on over there. After you stop listening to this, then next, listen to that if you want to find out what they are. But I have at least four of them.
0: What are you drinking, Matthew? So, Bob, I uh, am not drinking nearly as much as Ben, but I'm drinking something really uh, interesting. It's a cocktail that I had at a new Santa Rosa restaurant called 1910, which is in the Old Railroad Square area of Santa Rosa. Uh, this cocktail is called well, the cart, the 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 cocktail that they presented was called Mario Kart. I had to kind of reverse engineer it a little bit. So I'm calling mine Mario Kart-ish because I really don't know how close I am to the original recipe. But what's in it? It's got an ounce of rye whiskey, an ounce of cognac, or if you have it, it the original called for Armagnac. Uh, I don't I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, to be honest. Uh, it's got a half ounce of Jaffard Banana do Brazil liqueur, which is basically a really nice banana liqueur. Got a quarter of an ounce of rich Demerara syrup, two dashes of Angostura bitters, and absinthe for rinse. And so you're gonna prepare your glass ahead of time by rinsing the inside of a glass with absinthe. You're gonna add the remaining ingredients to a mixing glass with ice, and you're gonna stir vigorously for 30 seconds. You're gonna strain it into your prepared glass, and you're gonna express the oils from lemon peel over the cocktail and place it in the glass. And the aroma of the lemon and the banana and all that is just amazing. So that's what I'm drinking today. The Mario Kart-ish. Mmm. That's a tasty cocktail. Thanks, Bob. I think it is really tasty and, and weird, too. Like, you know, banana and absinthe. But it does go para nicely. So go try it out. All right, Ben.
1: It's a me, a Shohei Otani.
0: <laughs> we haven't really talked about Shohei much. Uh, we haven't.
1: We haven't talked about Shohei. And I know he's at the top of everybody's minds. So, and I, I feel like that might be my fault. No, it's probably your fault. That he's on
0: everybody's mind? Or that we haven't no, talked No, that we about haven't him.
1: talked about him. That we haven't talked about him. Um, I think it's Shohei Otani's fault that he's on the top of everybody's minds.
0: That's true. Yeah. Him being a free agent Uh, and all. Yes.
1: Yeah. Him being a, well, him being a free agent and him being one of the greatest players to ever play the game. You know, I, I mean, it's, let me, let me, let me just go look here. Where, where, where do you think Shohei is on, um, Wow. Okay, so how old is Shohei Otani? Shohei Otani just finished his... Oh 29 years. Oh, gracious. No, his 28 year. He will be 29 next year. And, and in the grand scheme of things, Matthew, at 28 years old, he is tied with one, two, three other players for wins above replacement at number 700. He is the 700th best player to ever play the game at the age of 28. Interestingly enough, he's tied with a player that let's, I don't know. Do Giants remember guys that they used to hate that much?
0: Yes. Yes, they do.
1: Sean Green. Ooh. Yeah. Giant killer, man. I remember being at a game sitting next to a young Dodgers fan. And this kid was very young and I was an adult. He was i think he was less than 10 like he might have been less than seven and this kid was just riding us and so and his dad wasn't writing us his dad was trying to keep him in check but then Sean green came up and hit just a giant monster of a home run and the kid was calling and calling it a greenie and all i could do was just agree with him yeah that was a greenie <laughs> uh, but anyway Sean, uh, nonetheless, Shohei Otani currently tied for 700th on the all time wins above replacement list.
0: Well, does that, that only what so I'm trying to like wrap my head around that so that that's because he's really good on pitching and hitting, right? Is that a combined war with both hitting and pitching?
1: Yeah, it would be his combined war. I mean, I believe let me let me. Let me yeah, because there's pitchers and catch and, and hitters in here.
0: Yeah, but I mean, that's amazing. But. but, but
1: yeah. I mean, at the age of 28, he is the 700th best ball, uh, ball player to, to ever play the game. And folks, there have been more than 10,000 of them. I, I can't remember. There's been like 30, 40,000 of them. There's been a really large number of them and he's already cracked the top like 5%. Um, the point is Shohei Otani is one of the greatest baseball players that we have ever seen for the amount of time that we have seen him. And he is now a free agent at the age of 29. He is one of the best hitters we have ever seen. And he's a really, really good pitcher. And yes, he did hurt his elbow. (laughs) He did hurt his elbow and he will not be able to pitch for a year, but it doesn't sound like that's going to impact his hitting at all. For the season. And. So you're getting a guy who can be a one of your top guys in your rotation. Like, I don't think he's not Logan Webb. Good. Right. Matthew.
0: Uh, Well, yeah, he is. I mean, I I think he he is. Is
1: is, is he is he an ace? Is he ace good? Like, I always felt like he was like maybe a one B. He's
0: got one hundred and forty two ERA plus. I mean, he's 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 good.
1: All right, all right. Okay, so so Matthew says he's better than Logan Webb because Matthew doesn't care about other San Francisco Giants. But oh, no, man. yeah, you're right. You're right, you're right, Matthew. He's pretty good. The the point is, is that this is like look, look, I don't know what I'm going on for. We all know who he is. We all know what he's about. He's the he's the bad, he's the greatest. He's like, we all want him. We have to get him. Right? Yes, right. Like we have to we have to get him. And that's what this whole offseason is about. Like, this is more important than signing Aaron Judge, right? This is more important than signing Aaron Judge. Signing Shohei Otani is the most important signing, the biggest impact signing that the San Francisco Giants would make in the history of the organization.
0: Well, yeah, because he is like arguably the most impactful free agent ever to hit the market.
1: Right. He could be better than Barry overall.
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, listen to his and- numbers from last year. I mean, that he led the American League in home runs with 44. He led the American League in on base percentage, in slugging percentage, in OPS, in OPS plus, and total bases. And the guy was a freaking stud. He's got a career lifetime OPS plus of 148. That means he's 48% above league average for his career. And the lowest he's ever had in a complete non-COVID season is one hundred and twenty-one, and the guy is just absolutely amazing. And uh, so, forget that he, can, he can't pitch next year. To have that bat in the middle of your lineup just is is uh, is team-changing, is what it is.
1: That's right. And his lowest ERA plus besides twenty twenty. Was in 2018 when he was a 127. And over the last three years, he has been 142, 172, and 141.
0: And Logan Webb's career ERA plus is 121. Shut up. So, I mean, okay, just comparison. I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I mean, that's great. That's not great, but this yeah, is how much better that Shohei Ohtani yeah, has been.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're going to come in here and you're going to say that? Yeah. No, he's better. Like, I. <sighs> Look, this is one of the most this this is one of the biggest impact signings in the history of baseball. Like this is going to change an organization. And. It is absolutely. Like the world, the entire offseason revolves around Shohei Otani. Like what he decides to do and where he decides to go is the most important decision and is going to change how every other team pursues the offseason. That being said, I think it comes as no surprise to anyone that I believe there's no way that he signs with the Giants. And I'm not going to go deep into it because that's not what what exactly we want to talk about today. But my belief is, is that he doesn't want to sign with the Giants because the Giant because he wants to go to a winner. Why on earth he chose to go to the Angels way back when he did, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But it was a stupid decision. That organization is not a well run organization. And now he realizes that he wants to go to someplace where he can win. He doesn't want to be a Mike Trout. He doesn't want to waste. Away, under the leadership of Moreno. Like, he's going to go to a place where they can win. And honestly, I do believe, like, if Shohei Otani is on the Giants with the Giants' current roster, they're a playoff team. They are, right? If he was on the Giants last year, they would have made the playoffs. That being said, there are other places that he could go Who are more primed and better primed to have long – a series of years where they're going to have a legitimate shot at the playoffs every single year than the Giants. And I think that list is like eight teams long before you get to the Giants. And I think he will sign with one of those teams because that's what he wants to do. So I don't believe he's going to sign with the Giants because the Giants haven't positioned themselves well enough within the recent past to establish themselves as a serious playoff contender. They're not like the Dodgers. They're not like the Rangers. They're not like even the Tampa Bay Rays, who, of course, are not going to sign him. But they're not like the Yankees. And yes, I know the Yankees had a bad year and looked a lot like the Giants. But I think he also knows that the Yankees are going to fix themselves a lot quicker then maybe the Giants would. So at the end of the day, I don't think that Shohei Ohtani is going to sign with the Giants. Matthew, you disagree.
0: I I, I think that the Giants are... Let me I rephrase.
1: Think, I think the Giants have zero chance.
0: Okay, so that's wrong. I think the Giants have a, a legitimate chance. I don't think they have the best chance, but they are, I think, one of the top three teams... Uh, the, that have the ability to sign the, the sign Otani and from a money standpoint for sure have the ability uh, clearly. I mean, what you just mentioned, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a legitimate concern, right? They haven't really put themselves in a position to show that they are consistently a winner. Uh, but I think they've got some things going for them. And I think, you know, Bob Melvin signing was a, a step in the right direction. Uh, has a long history uh he's very close as we mentioned I think before with uh with with Ichiro and you know Ichiro apparently has some influence with Otani and so I think there's that uh and and you know the Giants uh you know live in a well they the San Francisco has a large Asian community and so and it's on the west coast and it's a premier city and so I think they've got a shot Uh, you're, I think the odds are probably that they will sign with someone like the Dodgers, but it's not like a given that they're going to do that. And I think the, the, the one thing that is a little beyond, I think what people can predict is that really, what does Otani want? Does he want to be the guy that's just going to be a compliment to a bunch of really good players or does he want to be the guy? And, and I think, you know, that's a legitimate thing. Like if he goes to the Dodgers, he's just going to be one of many. I mean, obviously a very good one, but I mean, they've got a lot of good players. And if he goes to someone like the Giants who they build around, he could be the catalyst and the reason that they're that they all of a sudden that the Giants become a, a legitimate contender. And so I think that could that could factor into it. So I'm not ready to just write it off. I think that uh, the Giants do have an opportunity to sign him.
1: OK, well. One of us is right and one of us is wrong. <laughs> and unfortunately for Giants fans, it's probably me that's right. And it's probably me just because of odds, right? Like the Giants are one of many teams that have the option that the chances of. It's not just coming down to two teams. It's coming down to more than that. And that means that every team has a less than 50% chance of doing it. Correct. Okay. But here's what we've heard. We have heard that Shohei Otani wants to make his decision early. And you mentioned that there was a rumor that says that he was going to make his decision before the winter meetings. That that was a rumor that
0: was going around. I don't remember like who it was, but it was going around on social media that that was something that uh, was coming out. And I think you have to take that with a grain of salt because I think we heard the same thing with Aaron Judge, who ultimately signed on December 20th of last year. Uh, And so it's not... Not like it's going to happen tomorrow. But if you look at other stars, like Trey Turner last year, he signed on December 8th. So there are going to be some big signings that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. And it could very well be someone like Shohei Otani.
1: And honestly, I mean, I think that, you know, the as somebody who, know, I mean, I know that the Giants are going to make a run at Shohei. And they absolutely should. And don't get me wrong. Like, I hope I am wrong. Like, here's the thing, Matthew. I'm an anti-Farhan guy. Like, I don't believe in the Farhan way. Like, I don't believe he should be given eight years to, to fix a, a problem. Like, I don't know that anybody damages a team so badly that they're eight years behind. Like, I don't think it takes eight years to fix a baseball team. I don't think he should have eight years to do that. Like I have not been impressed by what he has done. Like the man has not proven that he can bring any star players in. He can't sign them as free agents. He can't trade for them. Blah 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 blah. Ben just you know, just being just a naysayer and 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 Mr. Negativity, right? Of course. If he signs Shohei Otani, then I'm a big fat idiot, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. And everything is forgiven, because that's how important and big of a player Shohei Ohtani is, right? Like, like that forgives everything. <laughs> so, and I really, really hope that he does. Like, I really, really hope that the Giants do sign Shohei Ohtani. But either way, the idea that Shohei signs early is huge and a very, very good thing. Because if he signs with the Giants, then that means that Farhan can go Farhan.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know what I mean? That means that at that point in time, far on he, you know, Lucas Giolito. Like if Lucas Giol, I mean, what is his name? Giolito. Giolito. Lucas Giolito. If Lucas Giolito ends up on the team and is also on the team, I don't care. If Lucas Giolito ends up on the team and Shohei isn't on the team, I'm burning everything down.
0: If, if Giolito's right? the signing, then that's yeah. yeah.
1: Then that's then no way right it's like but at the same time like if he can get far if he can get Ohtani Ot- then he can go far on all he wants you know go get all of the injured pitchers go get all of the junk trades do all of those things that you love to do go get all those guys around the margin because i won't care and then all of those additions will seem like good news right on the other hand If somebody else signs Otani, that means that the Giants can take a deep breath and go get to the real work that they need to do during the offseason.
0: Yeah, well, that's true, because I think, you know, obviously the odds of getting or of any team getting Shohei Otani are less than 50 percent because there's going to be a lot of interest. And so once that decision has been made, either good or bad, then they've got they've got. They they then they've got their orders their marching orders they know where they need to go and you know then you pivot to people like Yamamoto and and Hu Lee and all these other ones that we've been talking about that are probably more realistic uh, but also now you don't need to focus any attention on the Shohei Otani kind of uh, you know sweepstakes so so uh, yeah I I think that that the the sooner that he signs I think I think everyone in baseball would be happy with that. Because then, then all the other free agents that are kind of sitting there waiting now know, you know, what their value is, and 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 other teams will pivot to them uh, you know, quickly. Agreed. Agreed. So, speaking of pivots, though. Hmm. So there there have been some discussions around a couple of free agent signings, uh, that possible free agent signings, I should say. Uh, that revolve around some uh, good but uh, checkered past players, uh, namely Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman. And I put it out on Twitter this last week. I asked uh, Twitter who they would prefer between the two. Mm -hmm. Uh, And overwhelmingly, people said Matt, uh, actually said Cody Bellinger over Matt Chapman. Uh, 73% said Cody Bellinger, uh, 27% said Matt Chapman. Uh, I'm not so sure I agree with that, though. And and I think that there's downside, frankly, to signing either one of them. And I feel like that hasn't really been discussed. People are kind of talking about how both would be like an improvement on the team. and And so I thought we should talk about that. Is that true? Do you think that uh, that signing one or both would be an improvement on on the team overall? Ooh,
1: I you know, I'm not. okay. look, so so here's my 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 feeling on this. Like if the Giants, it's, it's Shohei Otani and Yamamoto or anybody who's under the age of 26. Right. Like. Those are the players that I'm interested in when it comes to to the free agent market, right? Like, beyond that, like, I would be okay if you didn't sign anybody, especially when it comes to position players, and just went with your young guys and let them lead the way. Let them grow at the major league level. Let them play for more than a week before you start platooning them and yanking them around here and there and not defending them from umpires and all that garbage that we saw last year like that's the kind of that that's how i feel about these free agents in general so so quite honestly i don't like i don't want to see bellinger or chapman however given that i think matt chapman he is a more interesting acquisition for me because he blocks less young players, right? Like Chapman is a, is a third baseman and the player that he is going to impact the most, the two players that he's going to impact the most are JD Davis and Casey Schmidt. And honestly, I'm okay with Casey Schmidt starting the season at AAA and working on his plate discipline. And spending at least two to three months there doing that. And then staying there until he's needed. And so if Matt Chapman is there, along with J.D. Davis, to block his path, then I'm okay with that. I, I do agree. that I do kn- I know that they're going to have to sign him, though, to more than one year. So it does bring up a question of like what happens to somebody like Casey Schmidt long-term. But we don't even know what Casey Schmidt's going to be long-term, and-, and maybe he could be traded later. So uh, I am much more interested in seeing Matt Chapman, but mainly because of his because of that, but also because of his defense, right? Because when you compare him to somebody like J.D. Davis, as you told me before we started the show, Matt Chapman is a much better defensive player than even an improved J.D. Davis that we saw in 2023.
0: Right. And that's so, where you're going to see the value because uh, offensively, actually, last year, they were very similar. And so you're, you're not necessarily getting a huge upgrade offensively, but you are getting a, you know, a tried and true, a gold glove, third baseman. Uh, right. That, uh, you know, really is, it's an important part of, of, you know, just, you know, as we've seen in the past, defense uh, does make a difference. And so it does improve the team considerably, but I, you know, I just, I don't know. He's 30 years old. You're, you're getting into those later years. You know, I, I just, I don't you know, is he going to get a four or five year contract because that's something that I'm not interested in. I think that that is to your point, it blocks kind of the future of not only someone like Casey Schmidt, but maybe someone like Marco Luciano who has to move over to third base at some point, you know, it just, it makes a lot of of problems for an aging guy that may be on his way down. So I just, that's not that big of an improvement overall. So I just, I feel like, I'm not as excited about it. And and maybe that'll prove me wrong. Maybe they'll bring him in and he will have a great year and help the Giants. But I just, it doesn't excite me.
1: But, but, but so does that mean you would prefer Bellinger?
0: I don't know. I think, I think I'm not really excited about either. I mean, I think Bellinger <laughs> certainly had a great year last year and, and, but you can't ignore the previous two. Right. And, and I mean, he was uh, like like one of the worst and that's not hyperbole he was one of the worst players uh for two consecutive years offensively uh in 19, in 2021 he had a 44 ops plus uh he batted 165 over 350 plate appearances
1: I mean college players would do that well you you took some some decent college players and you threw them in the major leagues they'd have a 44 ops plus yeah,
0: two years ago he had 210. Over 550 plate appearances, you know, 81 OPS plus. So I just, uh, I, I'm not convinced that last year's was you know a, a huge jump, and maybe it will be. But you know, the other thing is that people are calling him a center fielder. He spent a good portion of his time last year at first base, and so yeah. you know that doesn't really strike me as a need there. And and so I, I don't think he solves that like center fielder uh, issue. I'd rather have someone like Lee. From South Korea than than Bellinger, because defensively, you're going to get uh, a much better player in center field.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and that is a very important point, because I think one name that that really doesn't come up when everybody's talking about Chapman and, and Bellinger and, and all of these things, everybody seems to forget that Wilmer Flores exists. <laughs> Hello, he was your best offensive player last year. Yeah, and the guy is a corner infielder and a DH. Like Wilmer can't play second anymore. We probably really don't even want him playing third, right? Right. A- and 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 so like if he is going to play, he's probably going to do some sort of platoon scenario with with Wade Jr. at first base. And 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 yes, he could pl- could platoon with Bellinger, but is that what we're going to get with Bellinger? Is a platoon guy? Like, I I don't know. It, it just doesn't feel like a good fit. Bellinger doesn't feel like a good fit to me. Chapman feels like a good fit only because of his defense. You know, like, uh, and, and I thought we were supposed to be getting faster and younger. Why is everybody talking about Chapman? Why is everybody talking about Bellinger? These goes, guys don't make us younger. And And yeah, they were good four years ago. But folks... It's 2023, not 2019. Like, these, this is not the Bellinger and Chapman that you remember. And we're going to pay them more for worse? And they're going to clog up the roster so that the young guys that we're trying to promote can't come up for mediocre? It just sounds like more of the same to me. It just sounds like more mediocre veterans platooning for tons of money now. It just sounds like a step in the wrong direction. Like, give me Yamamoto, give me Otani, or give me any, anyone under the age of twenty-six. Now, that being said, if they go get these guys and they trade a bunch of guys, and somehow make the roster work, then fine, go do that. But you know what? I've never seen, I've never seen uh, Farhan Zaidi do that. I've never seen Farhan Zaidi go and make an, an extravagant trade.
0: Have you? Well, Chris Bryant. At the trade line a couple of years ago, maybe was that, that an
1: uh, extravagant trade though? That was just that was an easy trade. That was like go get the guy that's available for a few prospects.
0: Yeah, well, I, I just I don't think extravagant trades are very, very, um, they don't happen very often, and so, but th- certainly well, that's they never happened with Farhan Zaidi. Yeah, well, I mean, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, come on, dude. He's a capable guy of trading people. I think, you know, and and frankly, before this year, we didn't have a whole lot of assets to trade. Now, all of a sudden, we've got, you know, an improved farm system. We've got things. So, yeah, now's the time. If you're going to be making these types of moves, then that definitely opens up uh, avenues for trades and improve in other areas. And that's definitely what's going to happen because you're going to have you can't have J.D. Davis and Matt Chapman. Right. So one of them's going to, you know, J.D. Davis is going to have to get shipped somewhere. Uh right. in order or, to do or that. Or JD
1: Davis becomes a bench slash first baseman. Yeah,
0: slash. but then that then Wilmer Flores gets axed. I mean somebody's gotta exactly. go. You don't have enough right. spots. So somebody's gonna be traded.
1: Right? right. And that's
0: yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So yeah. So I just I feel like, you know, we haven't really talked a whole lot about that, but I just feel like, you know, those are the two types of players that um I'm not excited about, I'd rather have someone like Yamamoto and young Hu Lee and just those kind of guys. Cause I think like there's upside that gets you excited. I'd like to see some of the younger guys get an opportunity. Uh, you know? So that's kind of where I'm at with these, you know, I'm, I'm not sure um, if they're stop the right
1: living fit. in the past, man, just stop living in the past. Yeah. yeah. You know, stop like, like the past I want is Matt Williams because all he's doing is coaching third base. Right. That's the kind of stuff I like.
0: Yeah. What, about, what about Pat Burl? Uh, you know, Pat like that Burrell? Pass?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know what? I don't really, um, I mean, look, Pat was part of the 2010 team, which makes no sense to me. I mean, that team makes no sense. Like, <laughs> you know, just a flash of the past. So 2010 was a weird year for me, just just in terms of like, what I where I was focusing my priorities, and the, and the Giants weren't high on my list. And 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 of all the years since I think the turn of the century, that the Giants have made the playoffs, 2010 is the only year where I didn't attend a playoff game, aside from 2021. I didn't make it to that Dodgers series, but I did see them on all of their World Series runs. In 2002 and then 2012 and 2014. But I do remember watching them in Texas in 2010 and turning to my wife as we were watching on TV and I said to her, these guys, these are the (laughs) ones that are going to do it? Like, can you believe this? Right. Compared to the 93 team and compared to Barry's teams and, and Jeff Kent's teams and just like, you know, and then obviously the teams from from the 60s. It was just like, these are the guys that are going to win it. And Pat Burrow was a huge part of that. Right. He came in late in the season, was a big boost to them, along with, you know, Aubrey Huff, who feels like a name like now we can barely even say anymore, you know, and uh, and Pat Burrow was a huge part of that. And then we heard during the offseason, like after Kapler had been let go, but Farhan started bringing his name up more. And, and we learned that this is a guy who's in the organization who Farhan, at the very least, holds in uh, high regard. Yeah. And, uh, and and suddenly now here he is. He's the he's one of the hitting coaches. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it. But, Matthew, I don't I don't I don't, I don't know what a hitting coach does.
0: I assume they help guys learn how to hit, but uh learn um, learn how to hit? They should already know how to hit. They, they should already know. Yes, oh, but improve it. Okay, but you know, we've you know, 2021 showed us that major league coaches matter. You know, and and so we can't they don't just show up at the majors and all of a sudden their learning is done.
1: Right. And what so what I do know is Pat Burl's name is not Donny Ecker
0: Well, no, no. What, what I thought was interesting is that Justin Veli is is back as a co hitting coach with Pat Burl. Yeah, and but he was, yeah. So, you know, they're both listed as the hitting coach. So there's, and then Pedro Guerrero is the assistant hitting coach. So they kind of are on, you know, so kind of on that same equal ground as uh, Donnie Ecker and Justin Bailey were in 2021. So it's, uh it's definitely a promotion for someone like Burl you know, to step in uh, from what I hear, apparently he's really knowledgeable about hitting and has got some great, great ways of explaining it. Um, well, I guess we'll see. How that, how I that guess we'll in.
1: see. This is the whole part of baseball that just is, is a mystery to me. And, and, and I think it's a mystery to most fans. What does a hitting coach do exactly for a major league baseball player? Like, what does he do? You know, I I think I asked a similar question like last week or a couple weeks ago about minor leaguers, like like, what happens when they get drafted and and, and what happens when a when a minor leaguer becomes a major leaguer? Like, like, what does that transition look like? Is there like. Like, how does all of this work? Because it just all seems like people putting on blindfolds and then throwing darts at a dartboard. And I have to assume that it's more than that, but nobody ever talks about it. Like you you hear major league hitters like 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 Brandon Belt say, you know, I just prefer to see ball hit ball. And then there's other guys that are like, you know, oh, the shape of the pitches, like this is what you were talking about, the shape yeah. of the pitches and where he's going to attack you in the zone and what your, you know, launch and then there's like launch angle and 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 pitch selection and and situational hitting and and then you have other guys that are like sea ball, hit ball, and and like all of it is just sort of like, does anybody really know what they're talking about? That's what I want to know. Does anybody really know, Matthew? Uh,
0: I can't answer that. I, or are I they have...
1: getting paid? Well, I don't know. What does a hitting coach get paid?
0: I don't know. I've probably a couple hundred thousand, few hundred thousand dollars a year. I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Are they are they better paid than like a company executive? Uh-huh.
0: I don't know. Oh, so
1: so Craig Council, Craig Council's highest paid manager ever. And he's getting.
0: Like 4 million a year, something like that.
1: 4 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. That tells you how much a, a manager actually does. Because that was a question I had also recently. They yeah. don't do as much as a backup uh, a shortstop does. The <laughs> backup catcher. There you go. Yeah. They don't do as much as either of those, apparently, in terms of their pay.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Well. I, the coaching staff, I, I was happy to see Alyssa Nacken back. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, and it'll be Albert. interesting to see how she works that out with her maternity leave and all that. I mean, it sounds like she's going to have, I mean, I think she's going to have her baby like in spring training time. And so it'll be interesting to see how that 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 kind of plays out. But I was happy. I she's, uh she's, I think, has been, now she's like going on like her fifth year of major league coaching. I mean, so she's a veteran coach at this point. Uh, which is which is exciting to see that progression, I think. And, uh, and then we got Hallberg taking a demotion, going over to first base. Mm-hmm,
1: uh, mm-hmm. But
0: uh, it's good to see some continuity. And then uh, Uemoto or whatever. What? Oh no, Uimatsu. 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 Uh, the, the, he was. He's got a. He's a great story. He was the bullpen coach, or he actually he was the bullpen catcher. I should say for a number of years before maybe a year or two getting promoted to actual assistant coach. Uh, And, uh, and I think that's important when we're targeting Japanese players, where we've got uh, someone from Japan who's on the coaching staff. I think that could be a real key issue in luring people like Yamamoto and maybe even Otani. So those are the holdouts or the rollovers. We still don't know who a pitching coach is though. So that's kind of interesting. Yes. Uh,
1: I think they're still trying they're still waiting on um
0: and, and and maybe Andrew Bailey's decision?
1: Yes, I think that's what it is. I think they're waiting on a decision from Andrew Bailey. Um because I'm sure he's he's interviewing around and I'm sure he's waiting for offers. And so it, it just takes a long time for all this stuff to shake out, right? Because everybody's interviewing everywhere and everybody's gonna have their top choice and then and the guys who are at the top of that list have to make their choices. And then it all has to just sort of like shake out from there. And it's just a big old, it's a big old thing, but he is the biggest question mark. It's a huge part of the team though. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there because that's what the giants have been known for in the recent
0: past. Exactly. So I'm a little nervous about that. I think, uh, I think it would be nice to have someone like Andrew Bailey back, especially maybe if he gets promoted into that that Bannister role of, you know, was a director of pitching or something, you know, so where he's overseeing kind of all the pitching philosophy of the organization. Uh, Yeah, I'd be okay with that. But uh, yeah, it makes me a little nervous if we're going to start from scratch, because that has been something the Giants have held their you know, put their hat on for a while there. But we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. I don't know. Yeah, we'll
1: see. I mean, I'm not that
0: worried about the pitching coach thing, because I think if
1: you lean on your young young pitching, which is already here and you bring in some talented coaches that can help those guys progress, then that's okay. You don't need the gurus who fix people when you have a huge pipeline of young pitchers who can perform at the major league level rather than being in a situation where you have to go talk Mm. a bunch of retreads into joining your team because you can fix them.
0: Right, yeah, that's a good point. We'll see how that all shakes out. All right, well, we're running out of time. We should probably get to the trivia question answer. Let's uh, do it. Austin wins. you recall, go, the question was, which? Uh, who is the only Giants player to hit a home rot- yeah. run a home run off a of future Giant, o- Shohei Otani?
1: He hit four in one game, Matthew.
0: Okay, well, okay. But the answer is not Austin wins. The answer is Mike Yastrzemski. Mike Skrimsky hit a great. home run. It was an interesting game. He hit a home run off of Shohei uh on June 23rd, 2021, in a game that the Giants won nine to three in 13 innings. Uh oh, wow. so uh it was a it was a pitcher's duel between Otani and Gosman. Both only oh. gave up one run each in uh in their outings, and then uh they it was one tied was one to one going into the ninth. And then it wasn't then each team scored a run in the 12th and then the Giants erupted for seven runs in the 13th and they were when
1: when Shohei was long out of the picture. So what you're saying is as Yaz's home run was super important. It
0: was super important. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so now he's got bragging rights over his future teammate. (laughs) Unless he gets traded. (laughs) Well, okay. That's the next discussion. All right. We don't know. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, looking ahead, uh, Ben, um, maybe I think we already mentioned that we are not going to be uh, we're not going to have a baseball episode next Monday because it's Thanksgiving week and we've got uh, Thanksgiving stuff to focus on. Uh, But we will be talking about booze both on this Thursday coming up uh, some Thanksgiving themed cocktails for you. And then we'll be talking about booze again on happy hour on Thanksgiving day. So we have two, uh, the next two Thursdays. We will be, we'll be uh, having some episodes, but we won't be talking baseball a week from today when you listen, uh, because we're going to be getting ready for Thanksgiving and hope that you will be doing that as well. Of course, if Shohei Otani signs with the giants, we will, we will definitely be on and do an emergency pod, but uh, we're going to take a break. We haven't done that in over a year. We have done every week for gosh, I don't know, 75, 80 weeks at this point. I don't know, but it's been a long time. So this will be the first week that we've taken a break. And, uh, you know, we hope you all enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, so next week, uh, Ben, uh, what are you drinking next week?
1: Well, next week I'm going to be drinking a, may I have another punch, a Thanksgiving themed punch that you may or may not want to serve at your Thanksgiving. Should I, should I tell them what I'm drinking a week after that? Matthew? Sure. Why
0: not? What are we doing the next two weeks?
1: Uh, The week after that, I will be drinking, I won't know it in the future, but I know it now because of time travel, I will be drinking a Cherry Mezcal Old Fashioned.
0: All right. And I, uh, this coming up Thursday, will be drinking a drink called the Fireside 75, which is a riff on the French 75 champagne and gin drink. And then the following week on Thanksgiving, I will be also drinking an old-fashioned, but mine will be a chai-flavored old-fashioned. So uh, until then, folks, we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, Don't forget to follow us uh, on social media if you haven't done so already. We're at Giant Cocktails on Twitter and uh, Instagram and Threads and even Mastodon. Uh, also, don't forget to rate us, uh, subscribe if you haven't done already, but also rate us on Apple podcast. Give us a good old five stars. Leave us some kind words. It'd be greatly appreciated and would really help the show. Uh, I guess that's all we got this week, uh, Ben. It's been great catching up with you, folks. It's uh, We'll see you in a couple weeks. Cheers, Ben.
1: Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time. Bottoms up. Good lily bye. Adios muchachos. Let's bring on bring on the turkey. Gobble gobble. (laughs) Gobble gobble gobble. Is that what you're coming back with? Bring on the melia, melia
1: ingredient melia ingredient I do. Oh, wait, hang on. Uh, I, I, lost it. I lost it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta tug, you gotta, you gotta, you, gotta, you, gotta tu- you gotta tug on the
0: caruncle. Yeah, oh. Oh. yeah the, ca-
1: the caruncle, and then you, you gotta stroke the snood. <laughs>